Hey, want to watch a movie? What movie? You know, the one about the thing that one time... I'm so freaking pissed. The world's gonna die. I can feel it coming. Uh, who all in it? Welcome to Who All In It, a spin-off podcast from Who All Gonna Be There that explores movies through a critical race lens. I'm Mel. As you already know, I have 13 jobs, including artist and assistant professor. None of these jobs technically make me qualified to review movies, but I'm black and I watch a lot of movies, so I think that's more than enough. Prove me wrong. (laughs) I'm Ariella. Um, I'm a video artist and... I went to school for film, but I also don't know if that makes me <laughs> qualified to review movies either. Um, but I also watched a lot of them, and I'm also black. So, let's go. All right. So, <laughs> today for our first um, episode, we are reviewing The Girl with All the Gifts. So today we're talking about The Girl with All the Gifts, which is um, which was released in 2016. It's a sci-fi movie, um, a post-apocalyptic horror film um, directed by Cole McCarthy. This was his first feature film. It stars... Shoot, sorry. It stars Senia... Nanua, sorry if I'm mispronouncing her name, um, and a couple of other B-list people, and also Glenn Close. Um, so much shade. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, right off the bat. This was this was my choice. So if you end up watching it and you hate it, it's my fault, not Melanie's. Yep. Um, <laughs> I, take, I take full responsibility. <laughs> Um, it is a zombie movie. Yes. Um, it's a post-apocalyptic horror film. Um, and yeah. And it, it was done by Lionsgate, right? So they, don't they usually do those artsy flicks? Or am I just... Is that true? I can't remember. I believe you. <laughs> What's going on? It with did that? really bad in the box office. Oh, really? Yeah. Nobody Ooh. liked it. It was, it it was it was it was released on DVD very soon after its uh, uh, initial release. Okay, well, I wish I could say I don't know why, but we'll get into that. <laughs> so I guess we can start um, with our general thoughts about the movie, like an overview. Um, did you originally see this in a theater, 
or no? No. I really like zombies, and I heard that there was a zombie film starring a black girl, and so I immediately purchased it and watched it. Wow. On DVD. I mean, that's fair. If I had known, I probably would have purchased it too, and I would have been pissed. But... (laughs) 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 I mean... Overall, how did you feel about the movie before we get into like the specifics? I would say on this, this was my second time watching it, and I would say it does not hold up to like a cohesive ideological critique at all. Um, <laughs> but if like for my, my takeaways were like watching a little black girl be a zombie and rip people's throats out and i would say that i enjoyed that yeah that's fair that is absolutely fair 10 out of 10 just (laughs) um so yeah i'm just like take what i need and leave the rest okay yeah you know i feel like that's a very healthy way to view movies maybe i'll try to implement that in my critical lens (laughs) Um, I went into this movie cold, like you suggested it. I had never heard of it before, um, and I wasn't sure what I would be getting, and I mean, overall, it was okay. Like, I didn't hate it, I didn't like it, I mean, I didn't love it, um, and there were parts that were really cool, and then there were parts where I found myself going through a grocery list. So, (laughs) yeah, so that's where I'm at with the movie. Mm-hmm. I agree with you that it really was like there was a lot of care put into the parts where like sh- like the main character was like eating and like ripping people's throats out and like those parts were done really well and I don't know why that wouldn't have been applied across the whole movie you know yeah so, that's interesting yeah yeah but all right so like the first scene. Um, it starts, like, we hear a little girl counting, um, <laughs> and the sound starts before the visual, which is, like, one of my favorite things, but, um, so we, like, eventually hear the counting, and then we see it's a child in some sort of cell, um, who secures herself in a chair, and then guards enter, And she greets them with a smile, and they take her to a room filled with other children who are also secured in chairs. So, like, Mm -hmm. what were your thoughts with that, like, first scene? Um, I think it's interesting, I thought it was interesting that most of the other kids were white. Mm. Um, I, it made me think immediately about, like, long histories of medical experimentation on black people. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, it's hard to go back to what I, I think that on the second watching, I already knew so much of what was going to happen. So I think that, I think I hadn't remembered as much about her behavior and her attitude towards the guards. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that was one of the hardest parts of the movie for me is just how much she wants to please the guards. Yeah. Um. And how she tries, like, so hard to distinguish herself from the other children. Yeah. That was... That also stood out for me, like, even from, like, the first... 
few, like the first few frames, the first scene, like her constantly smiling and being like affable. It was weird to me, even even before I knew what the movie was about, like given the situation and the circumstances. I, I, why would this little black child be smiling through what are clearly very dire circumstances? Like what, what's... Mm-hmm. And then it made me wonder who directed this movie. And then I looked it up and then I was like, okay, I understand now. <laughs> yeah, it's like wild to see. I mean, it's just like an extreme visualization of, I feel like the um, the dehumanization of black children. Mm-hmm. That like you can, that the first scene of your movie can be like somebody with a, like two, also it was like two other black people too. Like yeah, yeah the guards gun pointed at a child. Yes, and we'll get into them that. Into a chair. Mm-hmm. Do you think that was like a conscious choice that they chose, like the two guards who are interacting with this, like this imprisoned black child? Like, do you think it was a conscious choice to make those guards black? Yeah, I think so. I mean, so what? I, the did, I don't know if you read this when you were doing research about the movie but what I read was that in the book that Melanie's white and Miss Justino is black oh and so for the movie they chose to switch it which makes it a completely different film like I don't know like just imagining all of those things happening to like a little white girl going through all of the things that that Melanie's character goes through makes it a completely different movie with totally different implications. Mm-hmm. So I feel like they like switched it up in that like white people way where they were trying to like do a diversity thing <laughs> and kind of just like ended up doing something that was more interesting than they really deserve as creators. You know what I mean? Yeah. Unintentional. Yeah. yeah. And like I felt that same way about like I was like, well, of course you'd like, you know choose to make all of these like B characters and minor roles black people you know mm-hmm. like the the guard what's her name I, I looked it up but um the the late the the lady guard yeah with the, the mohawk yeah in the first scene Devani she's played by Dominique Tipper who's um who's like a main character in that in this um Amazon Prime series called The Expanse that's oh. really interesting but she's kind of like she's kind of like an up-and-coming I don't know if she's actually, I don't know, I'm not going to say she's up and coming because I haven't been doing that much research into her career, but, like, that was a pretty big role for her mm-hmm. as a British actress, so I thought that that was interesting that they got her. Yeah. Um, and then they didn't really use her, except for one pat- very particular moment, which pissed right? me off. So Yeah. Yeah, that was really annoying. And I think I know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah, you definitely know what I'm talking about. And I'm going to have some things to say about that bullshit. But okay. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, so yeah. But but all the guards that she forms relationships with are black people. Yep. And then all the higher military ranking people are all white. Yep. Which is like, I guess the truth. But... (laughs) Is it, though? Is it? I don't know. I don't think it is. No. I, I think know. that's the truth according to British and American cinema, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I was like, they definitely did that, you know? They mm-hmm. were like, let's put all the... And, like, even one of the other guard, the other guard that um, she ends up 
or the yeah the other guard that she ends up like eating is asian or something yeah so it's like oh they chose to put all the people of color in the disposable roles yep and not yeah. even not just disposable but violently disposable yeah like yeah but um so like she's in this classroom um secured to a chair was she wearing a muzzle in that scene i can't remember or did the muzzle? No, she's not wearing a muzzle. She doesn't, yeah. Okay. So she's in the chair, in this chair that looks like a cross between an electric chair and a wheelchair. And all the other kids are in, this, in similar chairs. Um, and teacher walks in um, and quizzes them on, like, the periodic table, um, which, like, she has them reciting. And, like, when I, when I watched this, I thought maybe she was, like, thinking of it. And then she was having them tell her what she was thinking. But maybe I read that wrong, because, like, that's what... That's the kind of movie I was expecting going into this. Like, I thought they were getting into, like, telepathy, mental telepathy, like, shit or whatever. Um, so, yeah, she's quizzing them on a periodic table, and then she gets relieved, and there's, like, a shift change. And then another te- teacher comes in, and she's much more, like, I guess... I can tell that she's going to be, like, the star of this movie, because she's, like more conventionally attractive and like more um what's the word perky i guess um and she also looks like she looks a lot like kobe smolders from how i met your mother so i like i started calling her discount robin sparkles because like she looks so much like her it it's really like i think they might be twins so she walks in and the ch- the young child um who we later learn is called Melanie smiles and looks happy um and they ask she asks her to tell a story instead of like quizzing on the periodic table so she starts telling the story of Pandora like and I feel I felt like yes that's nice but a little on the nose maybe (laughs) I don't know there's always that thing in movies where like if there's a teacher in a classroom involved the thing that they're teaching is always tangentially related to whatever the like the movie or the tv show is about and I feel like there are more clever ways to do that but I don't know (laughs) so yeah well I was like that's how you know that this role was written for a white girl originally because of the presence of Greek mythology like ah I started writing down all the references to Greek mythology in the movie and it was like there's Pandora and then like later she talks about the Odyssey and then um Melanie talks about um Achilles Mm. later too Mm mm-hmm I was just like, that's how you know this movie was made by white people. (laughs) Indeed. Starring a black child. Um, Which at no point do they ever bring up or address. But okay, let's go with that. (laughs) I know, I have so many, I have so many feelings. Um, so... Uh, eventually she goes back to her cell, um, and then, well, before that, there's, like, while the teacher's telling the story of Pandora, um, like, she closes out that story by saying something like, it's the good things that get get you through the bad, and then Melanie asks, but there isn't anything bad here, right? And the teacher, who starts tearing up, there's gonna be a lot of white tears from this teacher, Um, but whatever um she says 
we do all right, but you can tell she's lying. So she's like Teach for America. And- oh my god! I thought about that too. Do you think that was intentional? Like, you think that was like low key shade? Yeah. Well, when she like when she came in, I was like, you know, she's like she looks nicer than the other teacher, but like the way that she's dressed is crazy. Like, I was just like her costuming, and it's like why? Like everybody else is literally in military gear, and she's wearing like a button down underneath <laughs> this like weird like soft sweater just like I just didn't I was like why are they coding her like this like this is so I don't know it's just such a weird outfit to choose for her yeah you know like it's the apocalypse and like this is what you have to work with like I just didn't you know like clearly she's not supposed to be military but like what the fuck is she doing on that base if she's not you know like how did she get this job if she's not military yeah yeah so it's just like why but yeah she's like teach for america and like the in the military base the post-apocalyptic military base yeah yeah and they definitely they definitely wanted to like they wanted to code her as like soft and nurturing like she cares about these kids i mean that's totally why they had the other teacher be introduced first for that contrast for that additional contrast right like but it just felt lazy to me. I don't know. Also, I wasn't yeah. a big fan of that actress in general. I don't know. Yeah, it just was like, it was like, I get it. Like, she's like nice, but it doesn't, there's no, it doesn't make any sense to me why she would be in that role at all. Yeah. Like, it felt like there was so much more of an opportunity to do like an arc from somebody who maybe like had military training it was like part of the project for like a specific reason that they had chosen and then like you know started to like transition you know their relationship to the kids changed over time yeah but maybe they just didn't have the budget for that i don't know that's a good point british film budget is is much less spectacular than the american film budget right i'm guessing i don't know i don't (laughs) know it just felt like she felt like really dropped in you know she did in that way like, I feel like they could have even collapsed her role into Glenn Close's role. Um, and, like, maybe they could have made that, like, a, made her, like, the teacher, like, like scientist or whatever, and really shown a range. Like, if you have Glenn Close, you can do whatever the fuck you want, right? So, I don't know. This, I, I feel like that discount Robin Sparkles was completely unnecessary. So, but... <laughs> I liked her. My favorite part was the end. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, we'll get to that. So, um... We'll get to that. <laughs> so, uh, she goes back to her cell, and she eats worms for dinner. And at that point, I knew something was off about this. It's <laughs> like, hmm, maybe this isn't about mental telepathy. Um, so... Um, and then we meet Dr. Caldwell, a.k.a. Glenn Close, who, um, walks through, like, um, the cells or whatever and addresses Melanie through her cell and asks her if she's solved the problem. And then she asks a series of other random questions, um, that seem, they seem like IQ questions? I don't know. What were they? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Oh, I don't know. They seem like IQ questions to me, but then it ends up not being like an IQ question. It's more of like a, I feel like it, they're like cognitive development questions, I guess. Okay. Um, so that's how we meet Dr. Caldwell, like cold, scientific, um, unmoved by Melanie's childness or whatever. <laughs> I mean, she's fucking cute. She's really cute. She is. She's adorable. She's, She's really adorable. Yeah. And little black kids with British accents are hilarious to me, so... <laughs> because I'm an I'm a stupid American. But, like... <laughs> I know, I'm like, I was so, I'm so colonized. I'm like, British accents make people sound smart. <laughs> but, uh, so I don't does though it does know, it's just like wearing like if she was wearing glasses it'd be like yeah this movie's about telepathy <laughs> yeah did um did glenn close have an accent i don't remember dude i don't remember either that just uh, occurred i don't think she did maybe it's good glenn close is american right i'm like <laughs> Yeah, no, she's American, so I'm. Okay. I, I think that she didn't bother to do a British affectation. I think she was just, if I remember correctly, but. Um, I like I I liked her position in the movie. I was just like, yeah, fuck science, fuck the scientists, they're evil. Yeah, it's like science is an objective. <laughs> very straight laced um very direct um embodiment of the pathology of science (laughs) i know i thought it was like well yeah i guess we'll get there okay (laughs) so the next day in class one of melanie's classmates is not present you just see kind of the blank um space where his chair would have been um and then Discount Robin Sparkles deflects and has the children write her a story instead of her telling one today. And then Melanie reads her story out loud, um, which was some allegory. I I forget, like, exactly what it was about. But um, she refers to the titular character as an abortion, which is something one of the guards had said earlier. Um... Um, and discount Robin Sparkles tears up while she's telling her story. Okay, and then she walks over to young Melanie and touches her at the top of her head. This white-ass woman touches her hair. And it's it's, like a close-up, too. Like, you just, like, you see just the top of her head in the frame, like, no eyes. Yes! Like, the white hand just, like, reaching just, like, straight into her hair. It's like... I was like, I almost had to pause the damn movie. Because I was like, I didn't sign up for this bullshit. And so, and they spend a good, I want to say five to seven seconds on this shot. Just ridiculous. And you can tell the way it's shot that it's supposed to be seen as caring and nurturing, but it was just fucking disrespectful. It was disrespectful. And then you can't touch her shoulder? Like, I I was confused. Like, Why? It's so weird. And then the guards, um, the guards, um, well, one of the guards, 
who I'm referring to as Discount Sam Rockwell, um, but is known as Sergeant Parks, um, marches in while she's touching her hair and berates her and then decides to teach her a lesson about not getting in, like emotionally involved with the kids. He like spits on his arm, his forearm, um, and then like rubs it. And then he like places his arms sort, sort of like um, seductively in front of one of the kids. And then the kid starts to like convulse and like their their bones start snapping and then like their teeth start like moving in this weird way. And I was like, oh, okay, these kids are zombies. Okay, I get it now. <laughs> and like he pulls his arm back and then all the kids in the class start doing the same. They all start convulsing. But Melanie, for some reason, does not start convulsing, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like this weird sort of bloodlust. What do you think of that scene? Um. Well, I mean, like, the hair part was crazy. Mm-hmm. I also thought the subsequent shot was also crazy of, like, the close-up on Melanie's face as she kind of, like, leans in to, like, the lady's hand. Like, that was a lot, too. Just, like, the... I was just, like, I get it. You know, when (laughs) you start... It's, like, completely starved for affection. Like, the bar is on the floor. But I was still, like, damn. Like, they're really hamming this up. You know? Yeah. Um... And yeah, I was like, I thought that, I thought it was like, she doesn't change. I was trying to figure out like what it was because it's like, it's only the kids on that side of the room that change with like the one kid that the kids on Melanie's side of the room don't change. Oh, okay. I didn't notice that. I think it like zooms out because I was curious too, because I was just like, oh, is it um, like the rules of the universe? I think in the movie are like a little bit shaky Mm -hmm. around like what, like how the zombies wake up and like what triggers it because like at first it seems like it's like you know it's like it could be like the smell of human flesh and then like later you find out that they have like a gel like a blocker gel that like blocks the smell of their flesh Mm -hmm. um and but like you know they also like they clearly trigger each other Mm -hmm. like or it was unclear to me whether or not it was like them triggering each other so the transformation of one meant that like all of the all of the kids in like his range were like um being triggered by the transformation of the one child or if the smell of like the person was like drifting over so it was like he was the closest and then as this as the kids be like you know like as the smell of the flesh like moved towards the back of the room then the kids started to transform it wasn't clear to me yeah um and then later in the movie, it's like, is it sound? But then there are other points when they, like, make sound and it doesn't trigger them. So, I don't know. It was a little, I feel like it, you know, the, it was a little confusing to me. I was like, how how are they not all dead yet? But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. It was like, to me, I, I felt like you could kind of see that I was, it was unclear whether or not she was struggling not to change or if she was upset because, it was like upsetting to see the other children change and she was like able to easily not do it. So I was like trying, I think that during that scene, I was trying to like understand the rules of like what was happening. Yeah. Like in this universe, you know? Yeah. Um, and like, 
yeah, like, understanding. I feel like it's at that point in the movie that you, like, understand what's really happening. And you also understand that, like, Discount Sam Rockwell's a dick. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah. Yeah. And then he's like, also that he has like a thing for, um, what's her name? Yeah. For Miss Justino. Right? Because, like, when he wheels her out, she's like, she likes me better than she likes you, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I was like, lol. Lesbian subplot. <laughs> Pro. Pro. <laughs> <laughs> Like loving Annabelle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Like, I think that the rules were shaky um, with their world building, but I, I think also I was so like not invested in the characters that I didn't bother <laughs> to like try and figure out the rules. <laughs> Well, it was just, like, confusing. Like, later on in the movie, when they're, like, when they're, like, going through the whole city, mm-hmm. and, like, they're just, like, walking through all of the zombies, I'm just, like, what are the rules here? Yeah. Like, what are the rules? Yeah, like, that was weird. it's fine. Like, I wasn't mad. I was just, like, also, like, no rules is fine, you know? <laughs> or, like, but I was just, like, what is this? It was just hard to understand the world or, like, understand, like, be able to, like, anticipate what was happening. Yeah. And I, I feel like in a lot of, like, zombie stuff, like, I feel like they changed a lot of stuff around the zombies. Like, the zombies are so much faster mm-hmm. than they are in, like, um, like The Walking Dead, for instance. And so I feel like it'd be interesting. It's interesting to think of. I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about it, to be honest. But, like, there's, like, de- it's definitely, there are different types of movies, like, fast zombies and slow zombies. Mm. Okay. You know? And these zombies are really fast. Like, huh um and they're more like i mean zombies are always kind of aggressive but like these the zombies are like not these ones are like really um like really aggressive i guess you know like they seem like more dangerous like more unstoppable than like other ones and I guess they only have like the two points like they're only they're only hyperactive or like completely so mm. Mm. I do think that these zombies are much more they feel much more organically connected to like scientific or natural law or whatever because they they made a big to-do later about this whole like seed pod thing (laughs) we'll talk about that but they were clearly trying to like incorporate the zombies in this way that felt more um grounded in like natural law which was Mm -hmm. interesting but i don't think they followed through well with it but it was an interesting attempt so no it wasn't yeah it was interesting because it was like it was like it's a fungal infection yeah yeah and they were like they talk about like they talk about how the fungal infection affects the the children have it the children are like the second generation and it's different for them because they can choose to switch they can they're able to switch it on and off Mm -hmm. 
And I was just like, but for Melanie, it seems like she has much more control of it. So I was like, for the other kids, is it more of just like a, it fades if there's not food around? Mm. Or is it just like a constant state where they have like more, con- I guess they have like more mental capacity because like later in the film, you see like other children who are able to like make plans and traps and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but they don't have like a lot of verbal capacity, but also they might not just because of not having that kind of socialization. Yeah. Um, but they also, they don't decay. True. Yeah. Um, and that was really confusing to me. Like I didn't understand and they didn't explain that. So yeah. It was weird. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of, like, I wish that I kind of, like, I feel like all of the the way, they they kind of, like, broke from the traditional zombie storyline mm-hmm. in ways that I thought were really interesting, but then we didn't get a lot of follow-through. Yeah. So I was like, do the kids grow up, or do they just remain kids forever? And, like, why would they grow from, like, being infants to, like, stop growing at, like, you know, yeah. eight or nine or ten, you know? Yeah. Anyway. It felt like a lot of this was written with this idea of, like, what would look good on camera or what would look good in this world with not a lot of forethought about how it got to that point. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Which is interesting. I was just, like, did... I feel like the lighting was so wild, too. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, why is this entire movie green? <laughs> Except the fire scene. The fire scene, which was pretty cool. That was Yeah, cool. the fire scene was really cool. Yeah. It was. Yeah. But I was just like, you know that this entire... I was like, I was... I was gonna do some deep diving into, like, who was on the crew of this movie, but I was like, you can just look at the lighting and know that everybody was white. <laughs> like... There's literally no reason that her skin has to look like that. Mmm. Mmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, I get that it's the apocalypse, but, like, it doesn't have to be this way. <laughs> Somebody called Jordan Peele. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, lighting black people properly is considered new technology, so. Yeah. I guess it literally is. <laughs> I have to build, <laughs> develop new film stock. Oh my god! All right. So, uh, where are we at? Uh oh. Um, uh, discount Robin Sparkle stops by uh, Melanie's cell to rescue her. Mm-hmm. Um, for some reason, because she's so caring and she's so nurturing and good. Um. And then Melanie starts to convulse when she smells her and warns her to get the hell up out of there before she gets eaten, which she does. And then she drops something. What was the thing that she dropped? It's a tube of the blocker gel. Okay, it's a tube. She drops a tube of the blocker gel. So Dr. Caldwell stops by and notices that tube on the floor so she knows that Mel- Melanie had a visitor. Um... And then asked her to get to guess a number, which she does, and then she leaves. That scene was pointless, but <laughs> like, I don't know. Doesn't she guess her own number? Yeah, the cell, the number on the cell. Yeah. 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 Or like you don't know it's her number, but she says thirteen, and then Doctor Caldwell is like, really? Then she's like, yeah. 
<laughs> and then it pans up, and then you see it's 13, and you're like, ooh. Yeah. It's about to get spicy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Like, plot point. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... The next day, Discount Sam Rockwell scoops her up from the cell and wheels her out of the building and then out onto some sort of airfield uh, and landing strip. And that's how we know for sure that they're on some sort of army base um, because we see soldiers. And then we see zombie-like figures clamoring against this fence and getting shot the hell up. Um, (laughs) And then he wheels her into another building and into what looks like an operating room where Dr. Caldwell is waiting um, and asks her, Caldwell asks her some more, asks her for, uh, to answer some more problems, which Melanie gets wrong. And then she sedates Melanie, um, like sucker sedates her when she's not paying attention and then lays her out on the OR table. (laughs) At which point, discount Robin Sparkles (laughs) Um, swoops in with her cape um, and, and threatens to um, beat them down with a giant fire extinguisher. What the hell was that? That was crazy. Well, I wanted to go back to like the question that she gets wrong. That whole question, that's, that was crazy. What was the question? Like, the, well, the question, I forget exactly what it was, but it was like, it was like um, there's a cat inside a box, but you can't see it or hear it. And, like, so, like, is the cat really in the box or something? It was, like, some weird question. And, like, the answer was, like, and, like, uh, Melanie goes, like, um, what does she say? She says, like, the answer is, like, you just have to, like, trust that it's there or something. Yeah. And, like, Dr. Call was, like, no, you're the cat and you're the cat inside the box. I was, like, who wrote this? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It was really, like... <laughs> I was just like, I don't understand what kind of IQ question this is. Like, what are they testing? Like, I'm just confused. I was like, this feels like a very, like, I was like, is this some Greek philosophy that I just, like, miss? Like, is this Plato? Is this, like, Socrates? And I'm just like, it's over my head. Yeah. I just don't know. But yeah, the fire extinguisher was hilarious. It was ridiculous. Like... Just, Again, I'm like, this bitch is on a military base. Yeah, like, did she just get she there yesterday? Get yeah. Like it, a crowbar? Yes. A fire extinguisher? Really, ho? Yeah. But, I mean, it it's indicated later just how stupid she actually is, because Caldwell's, like appeals to her sense of rightness by offering a truce, which she fucking agrees to. Okay, sure. And then then Caldwell sprays her with some shit that, like, knocks her out. (laughs) She She maces her. She maces her. That was my favorite part. She fucking maces her twice. Like, she takes her all the way down. Like, she's done. Yeah. Like, she's maced. Yeah. Like, she's done. And then Dr. Caldwell just, like, maces her again for good measure. Yes! My whole thing is this. If you work on an army base and you decide you're going to break protocol and break into a fucking operating room with a large fire extinguisher, maybe the truce thing's off the table. At that point, you're not taking any truces. Am I crazy? 
No, I was like, I was like, she's a military doctor, which means she has military training. Like nobody's scared of your fire extinguisher. It's like the most effective weapon that you could choose for like this particular. Like I was like, this just isn't gonna work. Like, like how did she see that going in her head? I don't understand. This is why I'm just like, that's how you know it's a Teach for America bitch. It's like she just got flown in. Like she doesn't know what she's doing. <laughs> but yeah, so she gets. Yeah, she gets like made. You should have been prepared, dangerous minds. <laughs> she needs to be prepared to go into the. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah, dangerous minds. Pretty. That's a pretty good, accurate description of her purpose in this. Be dangerous minds. <laughs> So she gets taken away, um, dragged out, and then Caldwell continues to prep Melanie for operation. But then an alarm goes off, and Caldwell's assistant is like, um, maybe we should go? And then Caldwell's like, no, we're operating anyway. We're doing this shit anyway. Um, we're going to tweet through it. And so, like, so you see the assistant like standing against the door, while Caldwell is prepping for this operation, and then you see something running at the door, um, but her back's to the door, so she doesn't see it, and then all of a sudden, fucking zombie crashes through the window next to the door, grabs her ass, and bites her. Uh, and Caldwell is like, mm-hmm. uh, Caldwell runs like a little bitch and hides in the closet, which is probably the right thing to do. Um, and meanwhile, the assistant starts, like, you know, convulsing and, like, is, starts, like, turning or whatever. Melanie cuts herself free with um, one of the scalpels and runs off in, onto the landing strip. Okay. All right. So she runs off and she's like, there's chaos. All the zombies are loose. All the guards are loose. The military staff or whatever. And she runs into... Her guard, who is a black woman, and then grabs her and proceeds to like bite the shit out of her and kill her. Um, because she's because she's uh, she thinks she's gonna hurt Miss Justin O. This got Robin Sparkles. Yes, all in defense of a white woman. That part, why? And at that part, I had to pause the movie. And take a break and go eat some wings because I was pissed. Um, <laughs> but like after she feeds on this black woman, um, she <laughs> then like there's like a swelling of this like weird music that they like score this to, and she starts to get tired, and then she collapses next to Discount Robin Sparkles. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So what are your thoughts? I I feel like I was really mad because the, um, the person who plays, um, Devani, who she kills, uh, Dominique Tipper, I, like, really love her in that other show, so I was like, leave Naomi Nagata alone. (laughs) Um, (laughs) so I just had feelings, um... Yeah, so I was hot. <laughs> and to save this white woman, I was just, like, really annoyed. But then I was also, like, I was, like, whatever. I was, like, you know, black people in the army are still 
soldiers. I was like, fuck neoplonialism. <laughs> like, I mean, I was like, she's still a cop, honestly. You're not but, wrong. <laughs> yeah. So I had that feel. So those were like dueling feelings that was also dueling with, like, obviously, like, I really like. I feel like I didn't enjoy her ripping out that lady's throat. No. But, like, the other dude's throat, I was, like, pro. <laughs> and, yeah, I feel like at that point, I feel like I also realized I was, like, oh, yeah, like, all of their, like, little jumpsuits are orange. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a thing. Mm-hmm. And also, I feel like the lighting in that scene is particularly bad. Mm-hmm. Like... I don't know. It was just, like, the earth tones against the green mm. made me realize, like, how poorly her skin was lit. Yeah. And I don't know. Yeah. And before, so before, though, that's, like, a really... So, Dr. Caldwell, before she hides in the closet, she, like, stabs the shit out of the zombies with, like, a broken piece of glass. Mm-hmm. And she cuts her hand, and that's, Oh, like, that's right, yeah. That's, like, an important point. But I was also, like, that's kind of I was like, that's, I was like, that's not, not badass. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not mad at Glenn Close. I'm you, not mad at her. Do you have a bit of a Glenn Close bias, perhaps? <laughs> no, I feel like not really. I feel like of all the, like, like Glenn, Glenn Close, like Helen Mirren, mm. like uh, Maggie Smith, like... I feel like there are other ones. I feel like they're all in, like, this category of, like, older white women who play, like, sassy characters and authority. Indeed, indeed. You know? Judy Dench. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> like they're all kind of the same to me. Mm-hmm. My favorite is... Wait, you went out. Your favorite one is who? Helen Mirren. Oh, yeah. Helen Mirren is what we call a bad bitch. So... Yeah. Yeah. I fuck with Helen Mirren. But it's like Glenn Close is like, you know, she's like the, I would say, she's not quite like the Gwyneth Paltrow of them to me. <laughs> but like, it's just like, she's like, I, it took, like, I had to look up who she was. Oh, really? Okay. When I was watching the movie. I was like, she's one of them, but I can't remember which one she is. Have you ever seen Glenn Close in Dangerous Liaisons? a very long time ago not long like too long to be able to remember i mean she was she's pretty great in that pretty good but <laughs> yeah like she's really cool i just like remember her as like cruella de oh continue <laughs> indeed i also remember her from fatal attraction but i try to like push that movie way way down in the recesses of my mind whenever possible what's wrong with fatal attractions i can't remember if i've seen it or not i'm looking it up right now i saw it as a kid at a drive-thru and that movie just like stuck with me like they're just it's it'll fuck you up it's pretty messed up and then it's it becomes this weird like chauvinist allegory for being a single woman that pissed me off as I got older and understood what the movie was really trying to be about. I see. So, okay. But, like, she does some terrible shit in that movie. Oh, I see. Okay, okay. I mean, Michael Douglas. Okay. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Okay, that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah. So she, after... After ripping the throat out of this black woman, um, she collapses on the ground to swelling music, and 
Like she gets human eye. She has the itis. She gets the itis. Exactly. It's the itis music. <laughs> so somehow she, well, she and Discount Robin Sparkles get picked up in a vehicle by Discount Sam Rockwell and Dr. Caldwell. And they make their way off the premises while being chased down by conservatively one to two hundred zombies. Um, and then along their like little road trip, they stop for a break and have an argument about how to best transport Melanie. And Caldwell, being of scientific mind, <laughs> suggests that they put her in the spare wheel. Um, yeah. Well, I was like, I don't know enough about cars to know what that means. I feel like that means inside the spare tire. Yeah, I was like, whatever it is, it's obviously inhumane. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, Dr. Robin Sparkles proceeds to slap the shit out of Caldwell, which was hilarious. That was hilarious. (laughs) But then Caldwell, like, looked like it didn't even phase her and then said, was that cathartic? (laughs) Yeah, I like Caldwell's character. She's just like... (laughs) <laughs> that was pretty funny. Free. That was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> so they continue their adventures through the woods. Um, and then we see some more zombies who we later learn are called the Hungries. Um, and then one of them gets one of the guards who is a black man. Um, and uh, Discount Sam Rockwell ends up shooting said black man before he well right as he is turning Mm -hmm. um and after he has refused him entry back into the vehicle well and he like and he like really fucked him too Mm. like he was like like, yes yes fighting with this fucking zombie and like and like um i can't remember his real now i oh i'm gonna be able to call him this discount sam rockwell (laughs) but he's like shooting all the other zombies and i was like i get it dude like you need to like defend the greater good i guess but like this guy is like literally out here but yeah the fucked up part is he would like take breaks from fighting his respective zombie and look up and stare at old dude getting like mauled by the zombies like he could have taken that same time to shoot at them yeah it was he was hot because um this guy i mean like the zombies came because um he didn't have his silencer on or whatever yeah right yeah but, like, that's not a reason for him to die. I was like, this guy is fucked up. Mm. Yeah. So, yep. So, so that puts us at how many? Like, two black people died very violently so far? Mm-hmm. Okay. Not including everybody on the entire base, who's obviously just dead as hell. Yeah. So there's that. Um... <laughs> Um, and then we get some exposition from Caldwell about exactly what the Hungries are and how that came to be a thing. And she describes it as a fungal infection transmitted by bodily fluids, um, where their main sensory cue is smell. Which, like, they've shown us that a little bit already, so we kind of already knew that. Mm-hmm. Um... They come upon an abandoned parking lot, mall, or whatever, which, quite frankly, that's kind of a zombie trope, right? Like, mm-hmm. all zombie movies do that. Aren't we over that? Like, the critique of capitalism consumerism is, I mean, 
we get it. We know. We're already there. Can we do some new it's shit? Like, it's a pan up over, like, a literally, like, a fallen Mercedes. Yes! Like, it's a little bit heavy-handed, my dude. Like, you don't... Yeah. This movie came out in 2016, like, right as Trump was being elected. Like, mm-hmm. we know capitalism is bad. We get it. Right? Calm down. Like, do some new shit. It was, um, the drone shots were all filmed in that, um... What is it, Priapat, the Ukrainian oh. town oh. Um, that was like affected by the Chernobyl explosion? Oh wow, I didn't know that. Or it, it, the drone shots were so they didn't shoot there, obviously. Yeah, because of, of radiation. But yeah, but the drone shots were all that. Why did they decide to use that for? I don't know. I thought it was interesting though. I was like, this adds like a different layer to it too because I was like I was wondering whether or not it was like CGI or whatever and like how they were able to do all of that but yeah I guess they interesting you know yeah is that is that exploitative or or no I don't know I mean like I feel like I think about like how zombies you know, because, like, all horror, tro- like, horror movies are a manifestation of, like, different, like, political anxieties that are happening. Yeah. That's true. So I feel like zombies, like, um, I mean, zombies are a lot of things, but, like, when you think about, like, Night of the Living Dead, that's, like, you know, commonly accepted as, like, people's anxiety or, like, you know, an anxiety around um, communism. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And, like, not knowing, like, who could be a red or not, you know? Yeah. Um, which I feel like makes it, which adds another, like, layer, which makes it more interesting to shoot it in, like, you know, the former, or to have these drone shots included um, yeah. from the former Soviet Union. But also, like, I mean, zombies are also lots of other things that I feel like we don't talk about, or that aren't talked about as much when people are talking about like horror tropes especially you know like coming from like slavery mm-hmm. and zombification um and i feel like it you know they kind of like it's multiple things i think at the same time because the zombies are the zombies can be like a way of resistance or because they consume their masters they consume everything in their path they're like unstoppable they never sleep they never stop um but they are also you know a way of like erasing your like consciousness like your conscious mind um i know i don't know i'm not like super well versed in all of the different like haitian lore around zombies um but i think it's an interesting way to think about it Hmm. um and i was definitely thinking about like what you know, like, as the zombies, as the zombie trope changes throughout cinematic history, right, and, like, you do see things like the zombies becoming faster, the zombies becoming, like, more nefarious, because, like, in, in, like, um, in Living Dead, you know, they're, they're kind of dumb, you know? Yeah. Like, they're, like, they're slow, like, they just kind of, like, break through the doors just by being able to, um, just, like, with the force of their bodies, Yeah. and then, like, with zombie movies that have come out like in like the 2000s and stuff like i feel like the dawn of the dead zombies are faster right yes and like stuff like that and then you have like the walking dead where the zombies have taken over everything Mm -hmm. um but yeah i don't know i just think it's interesting to think about like what 
these zombies say about like our social anxieties you know yeah i don't know maybe that was like maybe that didn't make any sense no it makes perfect Um, sense like i i think yeah it, it is interesting to think about how the zombie tropes are changing and sort of adapting to our current politics Mm-hmm. I feel like Walking Dead in particular, um, like, it's weird because, like, when Walking Dead first started, even, like, as a comic, it was one thing, but watching it, like, be converted to this television format and then kind of watching how it's changing even within that format, like, the, the story is changing, is has been interesting, too. So. Mm-hmm. I wonder what the new zombie trope will be. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's, like, it's so interesting, because, like, now, yeah, Walking Dead is, like, a big, like, we are the virus, mm-hmm. you know, um, type thing, and also, like, you know, profits a lot off of a black woman's labor. Oh, Michonne. And did you mm-hmm. read the comics? I read the comics up until, um, the, I mean, nobody cares, I guess it's not a spoiler anymore, but I read the comics up until Gwen died. And oh. I was, like, so mad. I was just, like, fuck this. Yeah. And I stopped reading the comics. See, I, I, I stopped reading the comics with that, with what happened to Michonne. Like, that pissed yeah, me that off. Yeah, fucked. That yeah. was fucked. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was already, like, why? You know? And then that was, like, the last straw for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I watched the show. But I love her in the show. I mean, it's oh, yeah. like, yeah, it's like all the things, right? Like, it's like she has so much on her shoulders, and she's like this like absolute archetype of the strong black woman, like to a complete fault. Yeah. And also, I love watching her cut off people's heads. Yeah. So. That's always fun. But, but we digress. Um, yeah. As you can see from Ariella's um, uh, exposition about zombie tropes and what they represent, um, Ariella will be responsible for saying all the smart film shit. And I (laughs) will just tell you whether or not I'm pissed about it. (laughs) That is what we bring to the table here. (laughs) Okay, so uh, they're in this abandoned parking lot mall, Mercedes-Benz, whatever. Um, and then this is where we see them kind of walking through the, the sleeping hungries. So they seem to be, they seem to sleep upright, like standing, um, during the day. Which is all I gathered from that scene. Um, so, like, they're... Well, did you want to say something else? Well, you also... Is that the part... Wait. Is that the part when they see the hungry that's, like, pushing the baby carriage? Yeah. Through? Yeah. That's the crowd? Right. And then Caldwell... Really yeah. And Caldwell, like, fucks it all up and almost gets them all killed. Yes. That that would be it. Yeah. <laughs> For science. <laughs> For science. But it was also, like, this... Um, the, the hungry has, like, human behavior yeah. that, like, is residual... Yeah. Which I feel like is also supposed to be a takeaway. So it's like also this question of like, I think that what's so interesting about this movie is that it's like the perspective of the zombie. Mm-hmm. You know, like the whole movie is from, or I guess it's not really from her perspective, but they're trying to be. Yeah. So it's like, and I think that that's something that comes into play 
later, right? It's like, what's the agency of the zombie? Like, what's residual? Yeah. Um, because I feel like in most zombie movies, right, like, it's supposed to be all traces of humanity are gone. Yeah. Um, and it's clear that, like, this, you know, this zombie is, like, acting out some kind of, like, maternal instinct or some kind of, like, habit from their previous life. Yeah. Okay, but uh, I was... Also con- that it's- Sorry, go ahead. I was confused about this, though, because, like, all the zombies are sleeping... So you get this one zombie who's walking through with the baby carriage. Was that zombie sleeping too? I was confused about this. I thought that zombie was also sleeping. Okay. Okay. But like I was also, that's why I was like saying like the rules are unclear. Because I was just like, why is this movement not waking the zombies up? Like I just was like, it was confusing to me. Okay. Okay. Um, and then it was like when they have to take that zombie out because she wakes up I was just like why is this sound out I was just like it's not like the silencer makes a gunshot not audible right that's not what a silencer does y'all yeah it was just the rules were the rules were very I just did not I didn't understand I was like I want them to live because I want to see what happens but also they should be dead (laughs) that's fair though they should be dead yeah um, and Caldwell was just, like, so reckless. I was just like, this is great, because I feel like, I was just like, scientists, it's not just, like, that she's a mad scientist, because the things that she's saying are not unreasonable. Right. Like, from a scientific perspective. Like, you know, using Melanie to, like, make a vaccine because of her qualities like makes sense I feel like from a scientific perspective but what I thought was what I actually liked about the movie was that you know it did have this piece where you're asked to question how like science that we see is objective and like medical advancements that we see is objective like actually do have human costs mm-hmm. you know I'm um, not necessarily vaccines because I'm not trying to go there um <laughs> But like, but you know, like, it's just like, it's like, how do you, like, how do you collect information in a world that's so, like, that, that profits off of, like, that, that profits off of such inequality and, like, disenfranchisement, like, on stolen land, you know? Yeah. Like, everything is, like, nothing is, nothing's, like, objectively scientific. Like, scientific, scientific um, discoveries all come at a cost, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I thought that that, I thought, I thought that that part was, like, interesting. Like, it's, I think, it, and I think that they're doing it in spite of themselves. I don't think that this is, Yeah, like, this is not intentional, but. It's a movie. Yeah. But There's... I didn't like that part of it because I feel like, and also I feel like, you know, right now we're having all these conversations around science. And people are really, like, upholding, like, I just feel like white liberals are really, like, upholding science. Like, you know, like, you have, like, Greta, Greta Thunberg, Greta Thunberg oh, or whatever, being, like, yeah. you know, like, worship science. And I'm just like, can we, can we not? Can we just read things? <laughs> and have well-rounded opinions? <laughs> I mean, obviously the answer is no, Ariella, duh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so. It's cool. It's fine. <laughs> No, you're absolutely right, though. That is a really interesting aspect of it. It almost makes me want to go back and watch the movie again, like, just from that lens. Because um, it's it's interesting the kind of, like, weird accidents that these 
filmmakers end up like putting on screen despite themselves <laughs> where they're like enacting the thing um just because they're caught up in that thing themselves yes no totally like i feel like it's totally happening in spite of themselves but it ends up being this like really interesting like allegory yeah especially since she ends up dying of sepsis yes like I felt like that was so interesting too it's like she's not well I guess she doesn't die of sepsis but like she's dying of sepsis yes she is yeah um and it's like it's like basically a self-inflicted wound you know Mm -hmm. um so it's like she's she's rotten from the roots (laughs) no can't eat fruit of the poison tree (laughs) (laughs) um so even though Caldwell endangers their life because she is interested with this scientific discovery that zo- that the Hungries can exhibit nurturing behavior, they make it through despite her bullshit. Um, so then Melanie asks Caldwell what she is and where she is from, and then Caldwell reveals that she is considered second generation of Hungries and that she was infected as a newborn. Um, which makes her different from the original Hungries. She's sentient, she's able to think, and may have a partial immunity. And the way that they found these newborns was in a maternity ward where the mothers had been, quote, hollowed out from the inside, which is imagery that I did not ask for, nor did I sign up for. Um, so... What the word that she used was cord. I was like, oh, oh god. Okay, <laughs> that was a lot. We didn't really need all that. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, that was a lot, and it was like, yeah, I was. Yeah, it was confusing to me. That was more. That was more like world building that I felt was incomplete. Because mm-hmm. I was like, because they turned super quick. And they don't eat each other. Right. So, like, those are the rules that we've already been told. Mm -hmm. So, like, if the mothers were infected, then they turned super quick. And so then, like, how are the babies, like, eating the parents because they're not interested in other zombies? Right. It makes no sense. Yeah. So I was confused. I was like, we didn't really... It didn't need to be like that. No. Like, it could be zombie... It could be pregnant zombies giving birth to zombie babies which i feel like is a far more interesting story literally <laughs> so. um but that's not what we were given i mean heck they did that in twilight i mean <laughs> i have not seen twilight that is not a lie you know i don't consider yourself I'm lucky that, like it makes me feel better about myself i just haven't seen twilight yeah, you're better off. <laughs> There's some weird stuff happening there. And when you learn the background of the person who wrote it, it all makes sense. <laughs> well, she's like, it's like, she's a Mormon, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like, it's fine, I guess. I just, like, it's too, it would, yeah. I like my, I, I'm like an Anne Rice bitch. So I was like, how oh, is Anne this going to give me Anne Rice vibes? Oh, hell no. Not even close. Will there be velvet? No. Will there be, will there be, um, what is it, a lot of, a lot of homosocial attraction? No. Will there be, like, 
like Brad Pitt in no. Interview with a Vampire. No. What Very you good. get, well, you get pasty British guys who are 100 years old lusting after teenagers. You get virginity and true love waits vibes. Um, you get... Uh, a pro- like, so this, but this isn't Joss Whedon. <laughs> no, it's like discount Joss Whedon. You get yeah. <laughs> appropriation of native mythology um, and lore. You get weird sort of um, uh, uh, pedophilia vibes. Um, yeah, there's a whole lot of shit happening that didn't need to happen. It didn't need to be written. It was weird. So, like... <laughs> It's cool. I'm good, then. I'm good. Yeah, you're good. You're absolutely good. But wow, that makes me want to go back and read Anne Rice, because she rocked my world when I was a teenager. Yeah. Like, she's... I heard she's problematic as shit now, but... I'm like, who... Like, who was, like, Anne Rice? Like, I think that she seems like a really... Like, this is gonna hold up. Yeah. Like, I'm like... Like, Anne Rice, for me, was, like, I was, like, a goth, closeted, weird, morbid child. (laughs) So, Anne Rice hit all the marks for me. Same. Same. And I feel like holds a very special place in my heart. Same. But Anne Rice is not someone who's blog I am currently reading <laughs> political views I think I'm interested in um that's fair that is you know fair people point. you can't get you know people are too invested in the whole package <laughs> that's true you're not gonna get the whole package with these people that is a very healthy way of looking at it yeah like everyone who's like disappointed like I was thinking about like JK Rowling I was like I'm Aww. not disappointed in JK Rowling because I had Zero expectations from Jacob. Same, same. I mean, one day I am gonna go and read the Harry Potter books because I I never have, um, because I'm contrarian. But um, <laughs> like, I feel you. But I, I was like, I like the Golden Compass. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm I'm gonna read her books because like they were phenomenon and, and apparently they were good. And yeah, she says, she says, consistently now says stupid shit, but, like, I'm still gonna read the books one day, you know? Yeah, I mean, like, I feel like all of it's in the books, too, you know? Oh, is it? Yeah, I mean, well, I don't know. I guess, like, I didn't see the books as, I feel like, I didn't see the books as being, like, like, looking back on it as someone who's read them. Like, I didn't really see anything that was, like, particularly turfy, Mm -hmm. but, like, I think that the whole, the, like, the world that she sets up in terms of, like, muggles and like non-muggles and like mixedness like I was reading this and I was like this is a lot (laughs) like I was like reading I was like as a (laughs) I was like as a as a mixed black person like reading the the words mixed blood over and over and over again I just had feelings about it I just had feelings about it and I was just like I'm just gonna read this and I'm not gonna think too hard about it because I feel like if I look at this more closely, I'm not going to like what I see. That's fair. You know? And there's also, I mean, like, there's, like, only, like, a handful of black characters. Right. Um. Yeah. One of them was played by Wes from How to Get Away with Murder, right? He was one of the Harry Potter kids? Okay. 
I guess I didn't really like I wasn't super into them like I kind of just read them because I everybody was reading them yeah and when I was a kid I read books and like I read books really quickly so I was just like this is just like you know six hours for me yeah um and now I'm glad I did because I feel like there's like a whole lexicon that's like developed around it that I like don't understand yeah how anyway that's neither I'm not gonna go there okay but (laughs) anyway all right back to zombies (laughs) back to zombies um uh, Discount Robin Sparkles finds a hungry chain to a radiator. Um, so then she shoots it, and we're totally supposed to feel like she's badass now, I guess. I don't know. Whatever. Um, I was like, what was that? Like, was she upset about it? Like, <laughs> she was like, I was like, it's chained to the thing. So it can't hurt her. Like, it was unnecessary. Yeah, so it's like really an easy mark, honestly, in terms of like... <laughs> skill yes exactly she like putting it out of its misery i just was i mean i guess um yeah she like takes kind of a long time to do it too yeah that was another thing i was like is this noise like not attracting the other ones like why is this whole building empty it was yeah and it's a maternity ward so that's why she tells the whole story right Oh, is that why? I didn't know that. I, I completely missed that part. I think I think they said it. I don't know. Don't hold me to it. But I was like, I was reading the like the little signs or whatever, and I think it's supposed to be like it's clearly supposed to be like a hospital. I think. Okay. It was either a hospital. It was some kind of institution, like some kind of medical institution. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um. Discount Robin Sparkles brings some clothes back for Melanie, so this this would be the first time soon after that we see her out of the orange jumpsuit, so that's cool. Um, mm-hmm. And then she promises to find her some food tomorrow, uh, at which point I was like, bitch, how? And where? Like, what? Do, are you not? Okay, but whatever. Um, so, like... <laughs> Um, then we have this weird scene of Discount Robin Sparkles sharing a drink with Discount Sam Rockwell, and then he says something to her, no, she says something to him, like, she looks at me like I'm Jesus, and then he says, she loves you, and I was like, uh, okay, this makes me really uncomfortable, and I didn't get any of that from Melanie, but okay, if you say so. Um, how did you feel about that? I was like why I don't know with the like with the teacher I was like why are you so stressed about it Mm -hmm. I guess I was just like you have like you have this like literal like superhuman being who can do better than any of anybody in this universe can do like protecting you who like thinks you're the shit and like I'm just like what are you worried about like influencing her in like a weird way i was just like it's the apocalypse bitch yes seriously calm down but <laughs> um it's just like like all humans are dead except for y'all yeah like you're not jesus she likes you like she fucks with you like it doesn't have to be all that <laughs> <laughs> and it was like it's so much about her and like not about Melanie, right? Yeah. 
like Melanie is just like this little you know like they sent her out to just like do all these acts of service and she just like she wants love and she like wants to be you know and she like interprets that as like how useful can I be yep um and yeah I don't know I was just like why are you not thinking about I mean it was just like if you care about her and you care about her well-being like none of that is coming through you know at all at all yeah yeah and I don't know if this this is it's a testament to like the terrible writing or the way that this actress played it but it just like I get the sense we were supposed to feel like there was some deep connection between her and Melanie and it just was not there it was not yeah it just feels like it feels like fear you know yeah which I guess like it makes sense you know like I feel like to me it makes sense that that's all that comes through yeah okay that, like this relationship that like the child thinks is like really authentic because that's what she wants to believe actually like doesn't like play as being authentic at all to like the viewer mm. because it's actually not hmm. um huh yeah I don't know it was it it's interesting it was like it was interesting to me like how how begrudging like how how like um I think that you I guess you're supposed to feel like like Miss Justino like feels like the sense of like responsibility towards Melanie but it like doesn't actually come through um I think that what ends up coming through is like how um like forced it is on her side you, you know yeah yeah like she doesn't actually understand what Melanie is like when she sees her as a child like she has the like knee-jerk response of like not wanting to see harm come to a child but she like has like no understanding of like what this child's capacity actually is like my favorite part of the movie was like when they're like I think it's like the next day they're like walking past a billboard mm-hmm. and she sees a picture of a cat and like Miss Justin was like do you want a cat and like Melanie's like thanks I already had one Yes. <laughs> um uh Yeah, so that that takes us to the next scene where she eats the cat. Um mm-hmm. that was cool. Um and let's see. I know the dog was really cute. That dog was cute. I was very sad that the dog had to go. That dog do- was it me or did that dog look pretty well groomed? Yeah, it was confusing. I was just like, I just didn't, I was like, how have the animals survived? Yeah. Like, this animal's barking at her. How is it not attracting so many people? Yeah. I was like, I just, so everything was confusing. I was just like, okay, we're just going with it. Okay. (laughs) Um, so, uh, Melanie, oh, so she, Melanie returns after losing the dog that she picked up because the hungry's, um, uh, cause it, the dog yelped and the hunger, it woke up the hungries who went chasing after the dog. So, um, she comes back, um, and she's like covered in blood, um, and which freaks everyone at the base, at the medical lab out. But she explains that she's, she's good cause she already ate. Um, and then she explains that her muzzle fell off too, which was weird, but I guess, okay. 
Um, <laughs> cause she I had... thought it was so funny. <laughs> really? I just, like, love every time she tells them, like, no, I'm good. <laughs> like, I had my snacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's my favorite part. And everybody's, like, so disturbed about it. And she's just like, whatever. <laughs> she's like, I had a cat. It was good. Thanks, though. <laughs> like, I like all the parts when she's just, like, you know, living her truth. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um. Oh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, when are we going to talk about the mask that she has to wear? Oh, we can talk about that now. Let's talk about it now. The muzzle. <laughs> The muzzle, yeah, the muzzle is crazy. Yeah, they have her. Ha- they um, have her out here looking like Hannibal Lecter. Like, <laughs> it's weird. Well, it. I was like, maybe this is too heavy, but like, it reminds me of like the masks that they used to put on. Um, I was like, I was. It, they look like the masks that they put on cap on slaves that had, they had caught who had escaped yeah. that have like the. They're just like the slits for the opening in the mouth so that so that they couldn't eat things that they could poison themselves with. Yeah. That was like that to me was I think I I was like looking them up today. But that's what it looked like. And I was like and I was like, that is it's heinous. Like it's heinous that they didn't well, of course, I mean like white people don't think of anything. Right. But like that kind of like imagery on like a black child is like something very it's like that's a lot yeah but also like the fact that she just like takes it on and off i thought was really interesting like she lets um discount sam rockwell like snap her back into the mask but it's just like whatever you yeah know? like she just carries it when she goes to catch the cat she just like puts it on her belt and she's just like this is really just for them <laughs> you know like and i felt like that kind of like it's this movie has like so many i feel like it raises so many interesting questions about agency Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know and like how much and like how much agency you have but like how agency is also this like it's this negotiation for black people around like how much agency you show people yeah that you have huh you know and how much you like how much you like choose to relinquish in different situations in order to like make people feel better about themselves indeed because like that's all she's doing she's just like making them she understands that it makes them feel safer yeah even to, from like, the be- think that they have power over her yeah like even from the beginning like, when we first see her in any way yeah like she's the one like she's the one who like secures herself in that chair she's the one who's like smiling politely the whole time yeah it's interesting to think about I wonder how much of that was direction and how much of that was the actress's choice, you know? Yeah, that would be interesting to know. Yeah. Because it's like, she's like, she knows who she is. She's like, she tells him straight up, she's like, I don't lie. Mm -hmm. You know? Like, I'm doing everything because I want to. I'll come back because I said I wanted to come back. I'll come back because I said I was going to and because I want to. Right. And I feel like the implication of that is also, like, I could eat every single one of you right now. Yeah. If I decided to and I don't want to. Yep. Hmm. All right, so... Um, yeah, they're, uh, they go on this group walk, um, and they come across a group of hungries that I presume are no longer, like, alive because... They've started to sprout, like, vines and shit. 
um, and merge with the plant mm-hmm. life. Um, and then Caldwell points out that this is the next step of the fungal infection, um, where in the fungus is acting as a symbiote, which I don't know what that means because I don't do science. But um, <laughs> and then there's a lot of science, blah blah yada yadaing, and terminology and stuff that went over my head. Um, <laughs> so, but essentially, like they form, they begin to form these like seed pods because. Um, like, she calls it, like, this mature sexual thing, which I thought was an interesting turn of a phrase. Um, and they come upon this building covered in said vines, um, and seed pods, which seems to confirm Caldwell's theory. And the idea is that, like, it becomes so large and all-encompassing, and if they were to, like, if these pods were to ever open up, it would be a complete takeover of the world. So... What mm-hmm. what do you think about all that? I was just like, I mean, it, it hit really close to home. I feel like <laughs> they were like, it spreads through saliva, and then they were like, and then they were like, but if it becomes airborne, we're fucked. And I was like, <laughs> I don't want this right now. <laughs> too too soon, perhaps. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was too close to home. I was like, this is too close. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Yeah, I was like, I was like, this science is interesting. I don't know enough about science to know whether or not to know just how shaky this is. Yeah. Um, but I also thought, yeah, I was like, I was like, oh, that's cool to like think about it as being like, you know, like it's like after the end of the world. Yeah. It was interesting that to me she was like, it would mean the end of the world, and I was like, this the world is clearly over. Yeah, you're already there. Like, this is the like the world's <laughs> been over. Yeah. Like, this is the end of the world. Yeah. But it was, like, interesting to think about. I was, like, I just thought it was, I I enjoyed, like, this idea of, like, the zombies having their own life cycle. It's, like, not tied to the humans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, having, like, this, like, organic development and, like, cycle of evolution. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like we don't. I mean, like, that's just, like, not how you usually see zombies existing in a world, right? They're yeah. just, like, a threat. Yeah, and they're, all, they're also always kind of positioned as kind of a lesser form of us or something mm-hmm. like that. Whereas this this mm-hmm. is, a, like, a clear stratification, um, mm-hmm. which is, yeah, that's interesting to think about. And, and it ties into what Melanie says later to Caldwell at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, where she yeah. where she asked why should I die to save your species then, so. Um, Literally. Mm-hmm. What Which, a great question. I loved what that. A fantastic that was my favorite part of the whole movie, honestly. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, I think it was like it's yeah. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um. I agree with you. Yes. Uh. So Melanie. Uh. Well, they come across an abandoned medical lab that Caldwell has the emergency access for, um, because apparently it's the same company. That was convenient. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, okay. Um, and also it made me think about how come there's always so many abandoned medical labs in dystopia? Like, I feel like it would play out very differently in real life, but whatever. Um, (laughs) so, (laughs) um, while they're, like, tinkering around and trying to fix the engine that broke at some point, um, I don't remember this, but, okay, um, (laughs) 
Melanie um, starts to get hungry, um, and she goes out to forage. Um, simultaneously, the black soldier also goes out to for to like look around. I guess I. I'm unclear as to why he was sent out there. Like, that didn't make any sense to me. Um, I also, the way they did his character made me so irritated. Mm-hmm. I was like, we get it, it's the apocalypse, everybody's hungry. But, like, making him so food-driven was really disrespectful. Yeah. So, Melanie goes to feast on a pigeon or bird. Um, and then falls into her, what I call, the ecstatic slumber of being well-fed. Um, but lay people might know it as the itis. Um, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> she, she wakes up and, and, like, does some more exploring in some buildings, and she comes across a group of hungry children. Um, and they smell something outside and run out all at once. Uh, Melanie, realizing what it probably is, looks panicked, and she runs back to the group. Um, Meanwhile, Caldwell reveals that she is dying of sepsis from the broken glass that you mentioned earlier, that she used to kill the zombies. Um, And she accuses uh, discount Robin Sparkles of being happy with that and like whines that discount Robin Sparkles wouldn't quote let her have her referring to Melanie and then they get into some pissing contest about owning Melanie which at, and at that point I also had to take another break and go eat some wings because fuck this shit and then like <laughs> so Melanie runs back to warn the others that the black soldier isn't safe and that the hungry children are after them, after him. Um, yeah, so that's where we're at. And before we get into that scene, what did you think about all that? <laughs> well, I was not, I like Kieran. I was just like, leave Kieran alone. Yeah. Um, they had, Kieran had a sweet scene with Melanie where, like, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was annoying. Um, I was like, these hungry kids are white, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah, with dreads. I was like, is she double the only one? Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is like interesting too. It was just like, and they really, they really like, they switch up her race and they make like a really, I feel like it, it becomes this like exceptional thing in multiple ways. Like it was interesting that they chose to make all the soldiers black, but they didn't choose to make all the kids black, mm-hmm. you know? Well, the that one kid that she but, ends up fighting... Yeah, I don't know. Um, I feel like... Yeah, it was, like, a lot... Like, having the lab there was crazy. Like, the placement of the lab was crazy. It was just, like, in the middle of the street. I was like, what is this? <laughs> um... Yeah, and then I just, like, I felt, I feel like I just was, like, really stressed out because I knew that Kieran was going to die, and I was really mad about it. Yeah. Yeah, and you knew it was going to be gory. I feel like the way that they did that scene was, like, so dirty. They just, like, did him so dirty. Yeah. They really did. Like, like, the Hungry Kids trap was, like, not that good. (laughs) Like, I was like, okay, bruh. Like, the food is literally in a breadcrumb trail. 
and like the only and you and the only way to get into the grocery store and also didn't even say grocery store inside it was like insurance on the sign yeah i was just like this isn't a grocery store bitch like i don't understand like what's with the continuity and then he has to like take off all of his gear to get in i was like this is this is wild i was like he has training yeah and also just like the way that they killed him was just I really just didn't like anything about it. It was it made me really angry. It was excessively gory, it was excessively violent, like just this usual bullshit where if it's a black character, you have carte blanche to be just as gross and gory as possible. Um and I'm just tired of it. Like I used to think that it was And he a- like goes out, he's like Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I used to think that it was like for some reason, I thought that was specific to American cinema, but I'm I'm realizing now that that's just, like, everywhere, it seems like. That black characters get the most graphic deaths, like, on screen, and that it's okay, and people have this high tolerance for it. It's very strange to me. Yeah, absolutely. Um... And it just feels, like, really... It feels, like, really tropey. Like, it feels, like, really tired that he, like... He goes out and he's, like, eating a snack and, like, looking at a titty mag. I was just like, this is not cute. Yeah. Like, it felt really lazy. Yeah. Or, like, not lazy, but, well, yes, lazy. Yeah, definitely lazy. like, can't be tired, overused, like, all of those things. Yeah. While, um, Karen is, like, falling for the trap in the, uh, quote, grocery store, um... One of the hungry kids comes upon him holding a rat. And for some reason, he feels inclined to reason with this child and doesn't seem to understand what's happening and then proceeds to, like, follow the child into the trap. Um, Of course, they ambush him, and he threatens to blow his grenade, but then for some reason does not, and then they eat him alive. So, yeah. Yeah, it was so confusing. I was like, it's just such a trap. Like, the trap, it makes sense that children would set that kind of trap. Because mm-hmm. it was really childish. It did not make sense to me at all that he would, like, not understand that the child was setting a trap for him, especially since he, like, presumably was one of the guards that was, like, working in this lab with all of these kids. Yeah. And they wouldn't be prepared at all to, like, handle something like that. I don't know. It was just, like, okay, I guess. It was another one. Like, okay, I guess. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so they they find him um, there, dead, in a pool of his blood. Um, and yeah, then, I really didn't need that. No, no one needed that. That was completely unnecessary and disrespectful, but... Whatevs, I guess that's what we're doing. That's what's hot in the streets. Um, and then they quickly realize that this is a trap for them as well. Mm-hmm. So, okay, here's this weird scene where um, Melanie decides that she alone will take on the hungry kids by herself. Um, so one, one of the bigger ones rushes at her and she punches it in the face. Um, and then they surround her. And I take it back. That was my favorite part. <laughs> okay. <laughs> when she mollywops him. Yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> um, 
Um, and then they like they surround her in a circle, um, and she growls at them. And then she begins to fight the the bigger one who has like this large stick. It looks like a giant baseball bat. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she eventually knocks it out of his hand, its hand, and then they go hand to hand. And she cuffs it and grabs the stick and then proceeds to like beat the shit out of it in front of the other hungry kids. She threatens to do the same to the others and she tells the humans to pretend to be scared and to run while she continues to growl. Um, and then she tells the hungries that the humans belong to her. So yeah, that was an interesting scene. Yeah, I liked it when I liked it when she um, when she cuffs the kid, mm-hmm. and then um, discount Sam Rockwell like looks down and he realizes that she swiped his cuffs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it was one of those. It was like another one of those moments when, like, I think that it sinks in for him in particular how much she's really like just letting him live. <laughs> And I feel like he probably has, like, fear in his heart because he's been such a dick to her this entire time. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. I thought that that whole scene, like, and, and he says it, too, because she's like, you know, you, you guys need to go pretend that you're scared of us. And he's like, pretend, right? <laughs> yeah, that was funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I thought it was, like, it was just, I, and it was just interesting. Like, I was like, what is the deal with all of these kids? Because I feel like it comes out later, or maybe it comes out before. No, it comes out later because Caldwell tells, after Caldwell, like, finds out about all the kids and they're like, how did the kids live like this? It's implied that the researchers who were in the lab that they're all in mm-hmm. were experimenting on the kids like they were experimenting with the kids on the base. So then I was just, like, more questions, like, why don't the kids speak in words, you know? Like, why are they so nonverbal? Like, I don't know. Hmm. It was interesting to me. Yeah. Um, But they, like, it wasn't clear to me, like, whether or not they understand what she's saying, or if they just understand what she's saying because of her actions. I think I just assumed that they... They just understand which her actions and like her body language. Mm-hmm. I didn't get the sense that there was a whole mm-hmm. lot of like verbal yeah. communication happening. But again, that uh, was very much up in the air. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, so they all get up out yeah. of there, and when they get back to the lab, Caldwell, um is wearing a gas mask and has a gun pointed at them while holding an oxygen tank or compressor of some sort. So everyone proceeds to pass out and then Caldwell grabs Melanie and drags her into this DIY operating room. Um, And you can tell she's like still, like she's really hurt, like the sepsis is starting to set in. Um, She goes to pour alcohol alcohol on on the wound um, on the hand. And when she turns back around, Melanie is up and, like, fully awake. Um, And she tells Caldwell that if she tries to cut her, she will bite her. Um, 
And Caldwell figures out that the fungus actually metabolizes her oxygen, so she was pretending to pass out, which plays into your the whole through line of this agency thing very mm-hmm. well. Um, um, so they get into this whole like meta like meta moral like quandary um, about humanity. Caldwell tries to appeal to her sense of good and, sa- and explains that she can save everyone by sacrificing herself. Um, and then Melanie, like, at first it seems like Melanie is, like, actually considering it, because she's like, will you tell her? Talking about Discount Robin Sparkles. And Caldwell <laughs> says, she'll know you did it for her. Um, but then Melanie sort of flips the script, and she gets Caldwell to admit that she now believes that she... And, and other hungries like her are sentient beings, that they're living beings. And, and then she asks the very poignant question, then why should it be us who dies for you? Uh, Caldwell don't have an answer for that. So <laughs> Melanie proceeds to get the hell up out of there. Um, and for some reason I don't understand, and maybe you can help me shed some light on this, Caldwell decides to follow her out while bleeding, um, mind you, into the night, um, where she is almost immediately surrounded by the hungry children. Um, and that, as they descend upon her, is the last we see of Caldwell. I know, that was (laughs) hilarious. (laughs) I liked it when she was like, when she was like, will Miss Justin know? And Carl was like, she'll know it. She will. Like, she'll know it was you. And like, Melanie's just like, mm. <laughs> Will mm. she though? <laughs> that was hilarious. Yeah. Um, I was also like questioning. I was just like, is she like, does, is sepsis one of those, um, does sepsis affect your brain function? I'm absolutely. Actually, I'm not sure. Let me look that up. Because I know it, it, like, gets into, it's like the infection gets into your blood. But I was thinking that, too. I was like, is she so, like, you know, is that part of, like, what's happening? But I don't know. I really liked how, I feel like that was the, like, biggest turning point for Melanie's character. Mm -hmm. Where she's just like, actually, I'm good, you know? Like, she starts to break away from the humans, you know? Yeah. Like, I think that, and I think that it's also, like, this this flip in the movie, too, where, um, or, like, in the, in the moral arc of the story, mm-hmm. where, like, the moral arc of the, you know, like, her moral arc start, is, like, deviating further and further from the arc of the characters. So, like, yeah. they've taught her, I don't know, I think it's, like, you know, it's, like, this, this like, philosophical like I feel like the movie has a lot of philosophical questions around like what is empathy and like what is humanity and like how are those things like learned and taught yeah um so I feel like she starts to like develop she's actually let me not say that because I think that the way that they want you to think in the story is that they're teaching her these things Mm-hmm. But I think the reality of it, I guess, like, or not the reality of it, but I think that, like, what I see as a as a Black viewer is that she already has all these things inside her, and she is already a very complex person who, like, is mirroring these 
these things that she's being shown. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she's stepping into her own sense of self and realizing like what's good for her, you know? Yes. And yeah, and that's the thing that strikes me about that moment because I feel like that's the first time um, in the movie where we see her clearly and definitively do something for herself, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you, technically you can count the moments where she's eating, but like that's some that's a necessary function that she has to do. And like, you almost get the sense that she's ashamed of it. But like, this is yeah. the first time that she like definitively says, I'm doing this thing for me. Because I care about me. Because she, she's eating before. Like, she's eating so that she doesn't feel like she has to eat them. Yeah. 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 Um, I liked the thing so much about the cat. Because I feel like she's, like... <laughs> that's, like... I feel like she takes this, like, ple- It's like It's, like, this... She assumes, like, this sort of, like, pleasure in consumption. Mm-hmm. Like, around the cat that is so different than Miss Justino's, like, moral universe. Yeah. That, like, I think, I I just, like, really enjoyed that. Um, Because I feel like it was this other, like, you know, like, I'm different in a way that you're never going to be able to understand. Yeah. But, yeah, she does make that choice for herself, and it's dope. It is. It's the best part. And, like, Miss Caldwell get devoured by the hungry kids was, like, I wasn't mad at that. (laughs) Yeah, that was funny. Yeah, I was, like, go off. Because, like, oh, yeah, and I forgot to mention, like, before she left Caldwell, she told Caldwell specifically, stay here if you want to live. Mm-hmm. And Caldwell just straight up disobeyed and, and left. Like, I don't even know why she was, where was she going? What was she going to do? Yeah, that's why I was like, did the sepsis make her crazy? Yeah. yeah. But she was kind of already bananas, like, because she was, like, she was, I mean, like, when she did that whole thing, when she did her, like, experiment in the, um, in the with the sleeping with the sleeping hungries yeah. and like got into it with the like hungry with the baby carriage and then like discount sam rockwell was like you need to not <laughs> and she was like and she was like what did she say she was like i will attempt to be more responsible with gathering data in the future yes. I was like, <laughs> How you're gonna get everybody killed. Yeah. Like you're gonna get everybody in this movie killed. Yeah. It was yeah. That was so it was just like her I feel like it was her like um yeah. Her like mania to like mm. Mm. like her fixation on this like on the idea of this vaccine that's like obviously never gonna happen. Yeah. Like, bitch, how are you going to make and manufacture a vaccine? Yeah, that world it's is gone. It's really not going to happen. No. Like, you need to give it up. You need yeah. to find another way of being. Yeah. Um, and maybe that was her thing, that she just couldn't... She couldn't accept the reality. She couldn't adapt. So she'd rather mm-hmm. just go out, like, fighting for the old world. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Sounds about white. Yeah. <laughs> Do you follow um, Jabuki White on Twitter or? Not on Twitter, but on Instagram. Oh, he he's he is reckless on Twitter. It's hilarious. Um, but he tweeted something like, um, "Going out during the pandemic is the new MAGA hat." <laughs> That's real as hell. That's yeah. real as hell. But yeah, so going out with a mask. Yeah, going out without a mask. Yeah. 
That's so real. Yeah. Um, th- which is why he has to delete his tweets every three months or so. <laughs> Um, okay, so, uh, after we leave Caldwell, um, we see Melanie, um, at that giant vine building that, um, we saw earlier, and she Mm -hmm. takes a match, I don't know where she got these matches from, um, but she takes the match to the base of the seed pod building and lights it on fire, um, and then proceeds to walk away from this giant blaze like like the great action adventurous that we never knew we needed. Um, and as she's walking away from the fire, she comes upon a limping discount uh, Sam Rockwell in the distance first as a silhouette, and as we get closer, we see it's him. And she explains that it's all over, and he is upset He falls to the ground and leans against an abandoned car. He reaches for his gun and starts convulsing, so we see that he has been bitten. He then hands the gun to Melanie and tells her her to do what needs to be done. She takes the gun and cocks it. Um, Discount Sam Rockwell says, where did you learn that? And Melanie says, I watched you. And he says, of course you did. Um, okay. Um, and then Discount Sam Rockwell does this weird-ass monologue while he is dying about a pregnant woman who I guess is his wife, and then Melanie shoots him as he begins to turn. Yeah. (laughs) Were you moved by this scene? I was so confused by his speech, I was like, literally, what is this? (laughs) I was just like, because at first I thought that he was talking about her mother, Mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, that'd be cool, and then I was like, oh, no, he's just talking about his shit. Yeah. Um, Which we had gotten no indication of prior to this, no build-up. Yeah, there's a, right? I was like, this is clearly, I don't know, I was just like, there's a, there's a lot that we're not getting here. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's also, like, in the beginning, they, I was like, why did you have that line, like, she likes me better than you. She's never gonna love you. Like she loves me, and then like, like never follow through on it. <laughs> never follow through. I was like, you can just cut it out. Like, it's fine. Like, clearly you don't have the budget for this many subplots. Like, <laughs> I don't know. But I did like that. I like that she just. I like that she took him out. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I She's like that. Like, you're not ready for this world anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, we're good without you. Um, and they say something, she, she says something else to, he says something else too, right? She's just like, she says something like, um, he says like, why did you destroy the world or whatever? And she's like, I didn't destroy it. Like, oh. you just can't. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Which I think is really, I don't know, I was into it. No, that's pretty cool. I, I missed like, that. Part. Like, literally, like, just because I, like, I didn't end the world. Like, the, it, the world still exists. Yeah. Even if it's uninhabitable for you. Yeah. I ended your world. I'm Literally. good. <laughs> yeah. Which is, like, I feel like it's, like, I mean, it's so interesting to see, like, this narrative that is where, like, where she does and where she, like, you know, 
there's there's no working within the system you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there's no like there's no fixing what's there's no fixing what's like beyond broken to be repaired or whatever but it also like is this idea of like it's not it's not broken if she can live in it you know yeah it's not broken if there are already like other alternatives for life that like are clearly in existence and like clearly like doing their own thing regardless um so i thought that was really interesting especially with what's coming in the conclusion Indeed. of the movie. Yes. Okay, so Melanie sobs next to Discount Sam Rockwell's corpse um, while trying to communicate via his transmitter, uh, and then we fade to black very suddenly and abruptly, and we cut to Discount Robin Sparkles, this extreme close-up on her face, as we see one tear streaming down her cheek. Um, and then Melanie, who is smiling and happy, um, <laughs> leans against the glass door from the outside. Um, and... Well, she puts a picture of the cat again. You see, like, a picture of a cat against, yeah. the, wall, against the window. Yeah. You, which I thought was hilarious. Yes. But he's like, I get it. Like, you like cats and I eat cats. he's like that's what humans like they like they like pictures of cute cats yes (laughs) so here's a picture to placate you um and then melanie greets uh so she like greets um discount robin sparkles um from outside and then the herd of the hungry kids sort of like descend like in this yard area and Melanie greets them, and then you can hear Discount Robin Sparkle's voice coming through on speaker, um, and it looks like she's about to like conduct a class. And then Melanie asks if they can have stories, and Discount Robin Sparkle says later if they have time. And then Melanie smiles, um, beautiful smile into the camera, and says, there'll be lots of time. The end. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. She's like, bitch, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> Don't worry. Uh, Fantastic. That was a pretty good ending. That was. Yeah. I liked it. I was just like, I mean, I was like, a, a white woman in a cage. That's, you know, how the tables have turned. <laughs> I feel like it was like the it was like the emblem of take what you need and leave the rest. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know, it's like blow the world up if you really like this, but just put her in a bubble. You can have it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty uh, progressive ending, given the creators. And again, I just get the sense that they didn't understand what they were doing when they did. Literally. <laughs> well, they. I feel like they rarely do at this point. You know, they yeah. rarely do. Um. Even when they're trying to do, I mean, we don't have to go there, but I was like, even when they're trying to do something, oh, great, you know? I'm sure we'll get there uh, with one of these movies at some point. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like, I was just thinking, I was, I was thinking about it, right? I was like, is it so, well, A, I was thinking, like, I'm so glad that they changed it to make Melanie black, because if it had ended with a black woman in a bubble in the end of the world, I would have been, I would have had very different feelings than I have now. Yeah. Um, and I'm mad that that was the ending of the book. I'm like, that's rude. 
Um, but I was like, yeah, I don't know. Like, is there a utility? It was like this question, I guess, of like, you know, what's the utility of like carrying over certain things like into, into a new world, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But clearly it's so like, you know, like it's also like what happens like when that's like clearly contained, you know, within like confines of like, she's giving, she's giving the kids these things, but like, it's like literally contained. It literally cannot survive in the world that it exists in outside of like being having to be like enclosed in a completely different environment yeah so i felt like there was like this understanding of like understanding like the limitations of things like especially like the limitations of like things even that you like love or that you get like pleasure or enjoyment from you know yeah um yeah i was into that yeah. I liked that um the 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 little black girl who is the star of the movie did not die um and for the most part did not suffer any extreme violence. That was nice. That was a nice change of pace. Mm-hmm. Um and I didn't see it through this allegory that you're describing when I watched it, but now thinking of it in that lens lends a whole new kind of, like, set of, like, meaning to me, like, a whole new meaning to me, and I I appreciate that, and I kind of want to watch it again with that in mind. Um, yeah, it's, it's always interesting to me when you have this film... Um, which centers a black protagonist um, surrounded by white people and the black protagonist is the one who actually ends up prevailing because that's rare. Um, Mm -hmm. Very rare. Not sure it's actually done in American cinema, to be honest. So, um, I can't think of one. Um, I wish, like you said, I wish that there had been better and more comprehensive world building because then I would have felt the the stakes didn't seem didn't feel as high as they should have in this film to me mm-hmm. um and that's unfortunate but yeah I think that there were some interesting things explored um and the way that they shot her like eating and then the fire was pretty cool um it looks like they sunk all their budget into that. <laughs> so, um, which is an interesting choice, but... Yeah. Um, yeah. So should we, should we do our ratings? Oh, yeah. Okay. Let's do our ratings. So we have um, an extensive and very scientific rating system. Um, if the movie is shitty and terrible um it gets uh a one which is a bone out frozen grocery store party wings um if it's like okay and it'll like it'll sate you if you're hungry um it gets a two which is buffalo wild wings <laughs> um if it's if it's if it's hearty and pleasing um and it, it does all the right things, then it gets a three, which is which is your garden variety wing stop garlic parmesan wings. 
Um, if it's excellent and very well done, um, and it makes you think um, things that you've never thought before, um, and then it's a four, which is a southern lemon pepper wings. And finally, if it's, if it's the best fucking film you've ever seen in your entire life, and it has made you reevaluate all of your life choices, then it gets a five, which are the real jerk chicken wings from the real Jamaican spot around the way. <laughs> so, that is our racism. Yes. <laughs> So, Ariella, what uh, does the girl with all the gifts get from you? Um, I would say for the, I would say for the sheer amount of joy that I got from, like, watching her eat things Mm -hmm. and people, I would say a three. Yeah. Um, I would say a three. Okay. And the, and the kind of, like, and the, um, what is it, like, and the kind of, like, apocalyptic anti-establishment shit that I feel like they did in spite of themselves. Yes. Um, I was also pro with that. Okay. I am inclined. I say three. Three. Okay. I'm inclined to agree with you because of, I think that the, the, the actress who played the main character did a pretty good job. Usually children, child actors are terrible. Sorry to be that person, but they're usually not good. Um, Real. <laughs> but she was Real. really good. She did a really good job. Um, and again, like you said, the the moments of, like, of her eating were very enjoyable. Um, her exerting agency um, in a very fucked up structure while everyone around her crumbles. That was very nice to watch as well. So I'm going to give it a solid three as well. Wingstop, garlic parmesan, it hits the spot. It does all right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Cool. That was great. Yeah. So I guess this is it um, for Who All In It, our first episode. Um, We will be back next month with another film, which we don't know what that will be, but it will be something Similarly interesting um, and easy to make fun of, maybe. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) um, So that's it. Uh, Thanks for listening, y'all. Bye. Bye.